And welcome to episode 227 It's Jack Hay out there, 227 Episode number 227 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast I'm your host, Jim This is an X-Men episode, as you just heard I should eventually, but by the time this Ten of Swords is done I'll decide to record a parody song to that But it'll be too late Right now, I'm really struggling with my voice And if you listen to the last episode Of the podcast you won't know that And other things that I've done as well Where I have not had my voice For like a week and it stinks It really does but it seems To be coming back but as I Record it's like one of those I start out I'm I'm hot out of the gates I'm running strong I I don't Have the stamina right now and by the End of the episode I'll probably Not have my voice Though it's not exactly the voice of an angel anyway, so, you know, a little roughness might do it some good. But this is a X-Men Ten of Swords episode, and that means we're going to be talking X-Men books. And in particular, we'll, we'll be doing Hellions number five, New Mutants number 13, and Cable number five. But before we get into that, let me tell you where you can find us all around. We are on Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. You follow us, we'll follow you back. That is a common courtesy that I will always follow. We also have a website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, where we have news, previews, and reviews each and every week. And the reviews usually drop on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is usually when they do, but sometimes Marvel allows some early access reviews, non-spoiler type things with that. We also have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can go to support us for everything we do here for as little as a dollar. Each level you go up, you get more books, uh, more books, you get more podcasts and more responsibility because, you know, everybody needs and wants more responsibility. And I say that because each week, me and Brandon get together on Wednesday night and we end up doing a Patreon only spotlight of two Marvel books picked by the badasses of the Get Fresh crew. Beep boop. And this week, it looks as if we're going to have a doozy, Weezar. We're going to have Juggernaut number two, it looks, and Spider Woman number five. Seems like me and Brandon are the only ones not really digging Spider Woman number five. I thought that Juggernaut had a good start. With the number one So we'll be talking about that number two It seems Things can change You can end up having the poll You know, people all start voting and things like that But we'll see We'll see how that goes down But you also get other things If you go over to the Patreon If you go in And a couple Marvel stuff We have an events podcast Where I go through Marvel events We have a back issues podcast Where we talk about older Marvel issues And then recently I've decided to just open up the floodgates and allow anybody to come on. If you like a book, if you like a character, we'll just do a podcast on it. And one of the things that that did open up is that me and Matt Razor later on sometime this week are probably going to try to record uh, an episode on Spider-Man number one, the Todd McFarlane 
Yeah, Spider-Man, number one, 1990 deal, and maybe even continue that through the months, weeks, years, whatever, but we will be doing that. But let's get to the deal. Let's get to the X-Men stuff. And I'm getting to the point where, you know, we have this Ten of Swords going on, and you get thrown into this idea, Arako versus Krakoa. All the stakes are there. You have the other world. You have that where it ramps up the stakes. If you die on Otherworld, you're pretty much not going to come back. And if you do, you're not going to come back right. All these things being set up to have this big tournament. Now, I was afraid that once we got that set up, which I'm not hating, it's just I need something to get me involved. And I think it's going to be really when we get to the tournament. I mean, This is something where it seems like everybody will be waiting. Okay, let's get to the tournament. Let's see what's going on. Um, so before that, though, I was worried we're just going to end up having a scavenger hunt. Okay, you, you have this. This mutant has to get that sword. And that mutant has to get this sword. And in the meantime, Araco, they're trying to do theirs. Well, this week actually changed it up for me. And actually, this week gives me a little more positive tip with these books that at least I'm having fun. This is the week, mark your calendars, this is the week that I started having fun with the Ten of Swords. And I've talked to a bunch of people and they have said the same thing. And in fact, up until this point, I just read the books today. A lot of people obviously have read them up until now and keep asking me, oh, did you read it? Oh my God, it's so much fun. Hellions is so much fun. Oh my God, Cable really points out some things new mutants really does the deal so a lot of times i take that with a grain of salt because a lot of times this these are people trying to get me to be you know more positive to break out of my cynical awful shell but it's hard for me to break out of that i mean it's a really hardened up shell but these books I, I think they're doing it. I think I'm kind of enjoying it i think that i am going and and it's one of those maybe i'm going with the flow now I'll just go with the flow. And we're going to start with that by starting with Hellions. And Hellions number five, chapter six of Ten of Swords, is written by Zeb Wells, art by Carmen Carnero, colors by David Coriel, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. And we get this right up. Champions of Krakow were selected to each retrieve a special sword in order to participate in a cross-dimensional tournament against the champions of Araco. Unsurprisingly, none of the Hellions were among the chosen, but that doesn't mean they don't have a role to play in the ensuing conflict. And this is an issue that I like because it shows me that the mutants are willing to cheat their butts off to win this. And the way they're going to do that is seemingly send the Hellions in to stop the Arakoians. Arakoians getting their swords because they're going to grab them themselves. And this is something I brought up. If you are in the Patreon, you end up, we have a Slack chat that we talk about all these things in one of the rooms is a Marvel room. And I kind of was talking about this. Well, why don't they just go steal those other swords? And, and the idea of what a forfeit would mean for either side, things like that. So I actually like that, you know, somebody else is thinking that through another reason why I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting into this. This is a more realistic deal, not just we have to fight this tournament and we're just going to fight the tournament. you know. So what ends up happening, though, is you get the deal where Empath is resurrected. And it is two days ago 
before all of the eggs end up getting burned and all that stuff that we had with rock slides. So they even say in this, he kind of slipped in under, you know, right at the deadline. He ends up getting resurrected. He does not remember that Grey Crow killed him, but he knows, you know, something went wrong. What happened? I only remember heading off to Nebraska, all these things, and comes out like he is, you know, like any hellion would be, you know, spitting fire uh, and yelling and cursing up a storm. He should probably watch his profanity, as they say, but even comes up and throws some of the egg goo at Xavier. He's like, ah, I'm going to give you the hope. Hope can finish up here. She has enough at one point, and he's just like, I'm out of here and go. But the big deal of this is, is that Sinister ends up saying, Mr. Sinister ends up saying, listen, I have an idea here. We don't have to fight this battle. We don't have to fight in this tournament. What we should do is sneak the Hellions into the other world, go to Araco, find the swords that the Arakoians are trying to get. I'm telling you, I'm going to have problems ever saying that. And then, you know, they'll have to forfeit. We'll win by forfeit. You know, one of the greatest things, as Homer Simpson said, when he ended up being able to go to space, his two favorite words he won by default. So you end up, you you could do this. It makes sense to me. And the Hellions, I like the idea too, because the Hellions, you send them. And the idea of dying in other world and maybe not coming back the same, that might be better. That might be better for all these guys. I mean, these Hellions, maybe not Havoc per se, because Sinister makes sure. I, I want Havoc there as well. The whole team going. And you end up having a vote. and. They vote for it. You need five votes. And like, that's pretty cool. Well, then you have Exodus stand up and say, well, I like this idea that Mr. Sinister has, but the the Hellions, they're going to need a leader in other world. I say, if the Hellions are going to go, the Hellions are Mr. Sinister's team. I say Sinister goes and leads them. So he gets to go too. show of hands, everyone. Well, they only get four hands for this. And Sinister's like, whew. Thank God. I thought I was going to have to go off to Otherworld. And then, for some reason, starts to trash talk about Polaris to Magneto. Talking about, you keep Polaris away from Havoc. You don't get him near him. All these, that then makes, and, and in the meantime, Eric did not vote for Sinister to be going off to Otherworld. He changes his vote. I mean, it, it takes two panels of Sinister being Sinister. To do this now, is this the plan overall? We'll have to see in all this because then Sinister freaks out. He's like, you can't change your vote. Yes, yes, I can. Revote. All right. Five votes. Sinister is going to lead the team of Hellions into Otherworld in this covert mission to get whatever swords the people from Morocco, the champions, are going to to get well we get the gathering of the hellions in their staging theater the purgatory deal where they're talking about what they're gonna have to do they're also talking about man empaths back what are we gonna do with him it's really snappy fun you know dialogue it also gives you some recap if you haven't been reading it'd be very odd to be reading hellions not reading any other books and then jump into ten of swords without any other background of this but you get Havoc say, hey, everybody, did you hear what happened to Rockslide? If we end up dying, 
We're not coming back. You know, this is a mission where we may not come. You can't use the whole resurrection deal as, you know, the netting. We're we're doing this without a net here. Uh, but the bigger part of this, and, and the fun part is Empath coming back and realizing that Grey Crow was the one who killed him. They They kind of hint at it a little, but not enough to make it so that you don't know. It's kind of a funny deal with that. And right away, Empath's like, really? You shot me? Like, yeah. And if you mess with my brain again, I will cut you in half, which comes up. But the big thing of this and the thing that elevates this issue to probably my favorite issue so far of Ten of Swords is the idea that old Mr. Sinister, he goes back. Now, he he's going to end up going somewhere where he may not come back. If he dies in Otherworld, Mr. Sin, well, we find out that he is doing Mr. Sinister stuff like he always does. He ends up having a clone factory on Krakoa. He, he has their bar sinister underneath. There is a clone factory where he's cloning himself as well as being able to clone a bunch of things. So for this and it, it's a smart deal. It's also hilarious, but it's a smart idea where Sinister's like, all right, well, yeah, I'm going to have to do this. So he ends up going and getting one of his younger clones like, you're heading off. You're going to Otherworld because if, if he dies, it doesn't matter. Well, the young clone's like, yeah, really? It ain't happening. Like already, these clones nowadays, they don't know their place, right? So they end up having to do a contest, the most noble contest. It's pretty much rock, paper, scissors. That they do and so Zeb Wells in this Issue goes with Very huge I mean This is a huge idea Of what's going on you have the Hellions Book set up to start out Taking the Hellions off to Destroy you know the orphanage The whole deal of the cloning stuff That Sinister has been doing and All along he's been making clones on Krakoa so what ends Up happening too which I really do like You don't know if this is old new you do Have the outfit of the Old but you kind Of get the idea okay it might be old new Whatever he goes off he's gonna lead them He's like all right hellions let's go In the meantime that's where you get Empath who figures out very quickly That it was Grey Crow who killed him I don't know why anybody Would be shocked Of anybody else killing each other in the team now the big problem is now you do this in other world now it's permanent or you know there's that point one 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 you know crazy one in a million chance that you would come back but this sets up the idea that if you get each other mad and kill each other you're gonna have some problems if you if you do this in other world and the setup here is as we go Sinister allows Empath to pretty much turn Grey Crow into his pet, into his, you know, pretty much a hype man. He becomes, you know, Empath's flavor flave is what he ends up doing. But we'll go into that because they end up going through the portal into the Avalon deal with Jamie Braddock. Now, I didn't know if this was still a thing. I didn't know if this was shut down as well. I think it should be. I don't really know why, you know, Saturnine would allow this. I guess maybe she's going with the, uh, you know, that's Krakoa stuff. But still, the idea that mutants can come in and out, they go to Jamie and say, hey, we're here. Don't tell Saturnine. We're going to get things. We want to rig things so that we can go and take care of Krakoa. We want the Iraqis. They, we want them to forfeit. And he's like, what's in it for me? 
And Sinister steps up. Now, Sinister, he's all about the cloning he is. And he says, I'll be able to make you a clone. And by the way, I don't know if you realize this, but mutants dying here in Otherworld, which now you're king of Avalon. If you die, it's permanent. You can't just be brought back to Krakow or, you know, resurrected there. And I've heard that you have, you know, pretty risky behavior that you're doing. I'd like to think that this is more about like diseases that Jamie can get. He's a slimy bastard. So he's probably doing some weird stuff. But in the meantime, he ends up giving them a horse as a gift to them. And we find out that the horse was actually stolen by Jamie while he was nude, probably drunk, stolen from Saturnine. So they become a target from priestesses. And this is where you realize that empath luckily was brought back right before and kind of seems like that's a little force but he is able to mind control the priestesses of Saturnine to actually get more horses so that they can all travel because they're just walking around. I mean, they're just walking around in Otherworld, which seems odd. If if it was me, they, they tried to tell the priestesses at one point what's going on in, in my ploy and in, in my lying mind going. I would have just said, well, we were stuck here when Saturnine closed the gate now they do, could say well you have the krakowian get oh okay well uh, but in the meantime you do have mind control and this is where you know it, it's played by empath where he's not gonna do what ends up happening he says to sinister when sinister says just mind control and whammy them and you know so we're not in trouble he's like eh, i don't think so i think i'll taunt him some until you agree to let me use my powers on gray crow and make him my herald make him my crazy knave or squire because when he does do this and the team gets these horses from Saturnine, you end up having it being led by a singing and excited Grey Crow who's very much like Sir Robin's squire in the uh, Mighty Python, the Holy Grail, singing his praises, doing all these things going forward. And if this mind control whammy is, you know, it, it ends up getting broken there is no doubt that Empath will now be dead and will be slit in half and probably worse because Grey Crow is not going to stand for this. And even when, and I, I imagine if you're not going to do that, what you're going to do is have a lot of fun with Grey Crow going around, hey, you know, singing the praises of Empath. The minute that they get back to Krakoa and you can have people die in the usual way, resurrected, you are going to have a slaughter. Grey Crow, and, and I don't think Grey Crow is going to like what everybody else has gone through, even while Psylocke sees this and says, this one's going to end badly. And I laughed a bunch of times out loud in this issue. I like the art. I like the tone. I actually am glad that we have that combo here from Zeb Wells, because I think I needed something to lighten up a bit. And this does it, but Zeb Wells makes sure you get some huge things, huge things that will have ramifications later. If people find out, Sinister's making his clones and all these things and going on. But that also is kind of a neat ploy to end up being able to go. Now, with that, I think it might tie into the next book when we get to New Mutants because the idea of Cypher, you know, not really wanting to die. And, and actually, Cypher, he's, he's being brave about it, but Krakoa doesn't want Cypher to die. A lot of people don't, uh, including Exodus, who goes to cipher as well exodus is more pissed that he wasn't picked but overall i'm giving this a nine out of ten 
I said it's probably my favorite issue so far of the Ten of Swords, and I'm going to go on to the next issue. And I, it's it's funny. I mean, I'm Mr. Positive this week because I really like the next issue as well. And it's New Mutants number 13, Chapter 7 of Ten of Swords, written by Ed Aberison, art by Rod Rice, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And I've gone on the record before. I'm not a big fan of Rod Rice's art. I, I just don't like it. It doesn't jive with me. It's that watercolor style. And there's other people who have this style. Uh, And it never really goes with me, but it's a personal thing. And actually, I don't mind it as much in this issue, which says champions of Krakow were selected to retrieve swords to participate in a cross-dimensional tournament against the champions of Morocco. Cypher has been chosen to fight with his techno-organic friend Warlock, taking the form of his sword. And while finding Cypher's weapon may be easy, the battle before him is anything but. So you don't need any sort of scavenger hunt for this. Cypher is going to use his self-friend Warlock to fight as self-friend Warlock turns into a sword. And we're going to do this, but Cypher is not anybody who fights. He's not a warrior. He's not a sword fighter. So he needs to be trained. Now, you do get that little deal where I said magic ends up being the first one. All right, I'm ready. I got my sword and sits down in that circle and uh, is she going to be there for months, weeks, days? And even in this, you ended up, the only time that it was fully spelled out was in the Wolverine issue when Wolverine says, yeah, I got three days to do this. Since then, you kind of get like little hints and stuff. And even in this, they're like, how long do you have to wait for this? I don't know, minutes, hours, days. It's just, and I didn't need to have a time frame, really. Having that three-day deal kind of threw me off because I'd rather it just be, you know, hey, we just got to get this done. Make it so that it is something that you have to do. Yeah, you have to do it quickly. We have to go. But, you know, a time frame on it seemed a little silly with all these books involved. But Cypher, he, he doesn't need to go and find anything. He has the sword. He has it. We see that. He just doesn't know how to use it. Plus, it's heavy to him. All these things going. Now, the big thing about this is that Cypher is the, you know, the mouthpiece of Krakoa. Krakoa talks to him. He relays the deal. Now, with that, you do throw out Mondo in here, which we've seen Mondo can end up being the real voice of Krakoa, where Krakoa ends up being in his belly. Get in my bed, not in his belly, becomes his whole deal and talks. But that really seems to hurt both of them. So Cypher, Cypher is that mouthpiece. Cypher is there to translate and then, you know, tell everybody what Krakoa is saying. Also seems to have, you know, a bit of a friendly relationship with Krakoa as well. So the big thing is Cypher, who can't fight, is going to have to go. And if he ends up being killed in Otherworld and can't be brought back, that causes a lot of problems for everyone, including Krakoa. And I just want them to say, Krakoa, you're the one who said we couldn't destroy the gate. I mean, you want to you end this without Cypher being hurt? Destroy the gate. Let us wreck the external gate. But you wouldn't allow it, so this is what you get. Well, through this, everybody wants to allow Cypher to back out. They want to try to figure out how he can back out. And Cypher, number one, says, I don't want to do that. Because then somebody else could die in my place and I would never get over the guilt. You know, he, he's, he's a better man than me, I'll tell you. But also, you know, just 
I want to prove something. He does seem to want to prove something that he could be more than just a translator. Uh, you end up having Magic, who's worried about him, saying, if you're going to go. And I, I also think that it's one of those things, too. Magic keeps, if you're going to go, I don't want you to die. I can keep an eye on you, but you have to be able to use this. So I also think she doesn't want to lose the contest, and she doesn't want other people to get hurt while they're trying to help Cypher. So she wants to at least give them a little training. Now, again, when you brought up the three days with Wolverine, that kind of pulls in the idea of really you're going to train him for three days? You're going to train him for a day and a half and he's going to go? I mean, if you ended up seeing the movie Youngblood, the hockey movie with Rob Lowe, which I'm sure three people listening have, you end up where Rob Lowe can't fight. He's got to fight Racky. The toughest, meanest hombre in all of the Canadian hockey deal. And to do this, he goes home and his brother Kelly trains him in a montage that lasts 10 minutes to fight. And then he goes back and beats the crap. It it doesn't work that way. Cypher can get trained here, but even magic spells out the people you're going to fight. They have been fighting since the day they were born. You know, some people are born with silver spoons in their mouths. They're born with swords in their hands, and you're not going to be able to fight them. But at least hold your own. She tries to do this. And I do like seeing this progression of maybe him getting better, but <laughs> maybe not because he even says, yeah, Magic, you're you're pulling your punches here. Uh, you know, you're trying to get me. But she's like, no, no, you've been better. But we also see at one point where Krakoa knows that, you know, this fight is training, should know. And at one point, Magic punches Cypher right in the face, and Krakoa goes nuts and tries to uh, attack Magic, or at least stop her, and then Cypher stop. You know, she's trying to help me, all that going on. Well, in the meantime, again, everybody's trying to figure out a way that they can stop this from happening, stop Cypher from going and getting killed and not being able to be resurrected. Exodus... I'll give him credit, comes up with a pretty good idea. Hey, hey there, Cypher. If you are afraid of dying in, you know, other world where you might not come back, how about I kill you right here and now? Because if I kill you now, we can't resurrect you. The eggs got burned. Everything's at a standstill. They're going to have to let me take your place. Now, with that, you end up having Cypher say, whoa, 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 we don't know that. They may not pick you or... They may not be able to pick anybody and they might be, you know, one short. Now, even then, I think Exodus should just say, well, one short and and the one is you might be better because then people don't have to look out for you because we don't want you to die. At one point, you even have where Cypher legitimately just says to Magic, listen, do I have a chance? And like, if you go to Otherworld and you end up fighting, it will be the last thing you're going to do. There's no way you're coming back, but he still keeps doing this. Now, you end up having Mondo come and with old Krakoa in his, in his belly talking about we have to find an option. You know, and even says Exodus is right. And I think there was a, a cool little deal here that was a, a subtle deal where you end up where Magic punches Cypher in the face and Krakoa goes nuts, ah, you know, vines pulling her off. When you ended up having Exodus going to kill Cypher, kill him right there, and no Krakoa helping. Krakoa was watching and letting this go and probably was about to help, but it ends up being broken up and he ends up stopping it. But you end up where 
Krakoa says this might be better. And then it says there must be a way to send another in your place. You're too important to the continuance of this relationship with mutant kind. And as such is true, you cannot leave. This is what's going on. And you end up having the old Krakoa say, I can hide you. I can put you in exile. I can put you where you are safe. Now, you could also, if if Sinister was there, unfortunately, he's now in Otherworld, but you could have a clone of him as well. And that kind of sets up that whole deal. And I like that they end up having Sinister go off with the Hellions because you could just make clones of everyone to go fight. And so he's not there to do that. But we'll see how this is going on, how Krakoa might end up hiding him, doing all these things. But again, magic pretty much says that if you go to Otherworld, you are going to die. It's the last thing you'll ever do. If you raise your sword in this tournament, it's the last thing you'll ever do. And there's not a damn thing you can do to stop it. But at the end, you see him there on his circle, in the big circle. And we have four going on. Now we have Storm, Wolverine, Magic, and Cypher. So we'll continue on from there. Obviously, we're going to be going off to Cable. And he already has the Sword of Galador, so we know he's going to be one. And again, it's it's less of a scavenger hunt for a couple of these because they already had the swords. So I didn't mind that. But overall, I'm giving this, I'm going to give it an 8.8. I, I did like it. I like the deal of the stakes being spelled out with Cypher. I like this idea of everybody trying to come up with their own way. Magic is just going to train them to, to at least survive for a minute. You know, Exodus wants to kill him. It seems like Krakow is down with it. But if that's not the case, maybe I can hide you somewhere. And, and Krakow even says to Cypher, it won't be pleasant what I would do. I, I can't even lie. This is not going to be like me sending you off to the Bahamas where you're holed up in a five-star luxury hotel. It's not going to be pleasant, but it will allow you to not die. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but I really did like that as well. And we'll go off to the last book. As I mentioned, it is Cable. This is this is the down one for me for all of these books, but still not fully down. It's just down for me because it really is setting up a lot of stuff for the Al Ewing Sword book coming up in December. But We'll get into it right now. All right. And this is Cable number five, chapter eight of Tennis Swords, written by Jerry Dugan, Phil Noto on art and letters by VCs, Joe Sabino. Champions of Krakow were selected to retrieve swords to participate in a cross-dimensional tournament against the champions of Rocco. I don't know if you've heard this before. Cable was given a clue by Saturnine, the Omniversal Magistrix, which led him and his parents, that would be Scott and Jean, Cyclops and Jean Grey, to restore power to the mysteriously empty Sword Space Station. And when you end up having this originally, when they go and they realize they're at the Sword Space Station, it kind of seemed a little too on point with the idea of Ten of Swords and then Sword. But this does set up a book that's coming out in December by Al Ewing, but they're on the peak, 280 miles above Earth. Like you said, or I said, or they said, you end up having the Sword of Galdor powered up, and they want to, where are all the people? I mean, we ended up powering it up, but I think they're dead. I think that if you didn't have power, you know, they're dead, and you even have cable. Where is everyone? Well, they, they may be around, but I would assume... They're just dead bodies, but even so, they go to look, and the whole thing is a circle, and it's one of those where 
this becomes almost horror movie-esque. And, of course, in horror movies, you have to have the characters separate for some reason. They can't just walk together. You have Gene go one way and Cable and Scott go the other. And you end up having Gene find the first deal, first clue that things aren't exactly as they think. Even with that, you have at the same time Scott and Cable find a door that's been welded kind of hastily and you end up having Cyclops rip that open. But Gene runs into a guy who's looking out into space. You don't see his face. You know when he turns around it's going to be a horrific deal. You know that his face is not going to be right. And he's talking, you know, hey, we had some problems. At first there were screams and, and yelling and the sound and there was a rhythm to it. And it was over and over and repeating. Half the station was dead. But, you know, he's going through this little deal, very horror-esque again, what half of the people died right away. They were the lucky ones. And then he turns and he's all messed up and he has black eyes. So the death would have been better. And Jean tries to figure out what's going on, but instead... She says, show me. And he says, you know, no, 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 it's not what. They tore through the defenses. We were unprepared for our enemy. They defied laws of physics. All these things of what this would be. It becomes like a virus that attacked them all. Gene tries to go, you know, show me. Open up your mind, Quaid. But he doesn't. Instead, he shoots her with, with a telepathic shot. And ah, she's all down. She yells to Scott and Nathan, don't open any doors. The, the crap goes wrong as this guy just hits an airlock and, and kills himself, though I don't think he was really alive anyway. But going to find Scott and Nathan, Gene goes, and they have pretty much a giant stargate that's made of people. It's it's like the whole Soylent Green made of people stargate here, it seems. But you end up, it looks pretty cool. They're trying to figure out what this is, the faceless death called Vescora. And again, if you're just reading the Ten of Swords and you go into this, you're like, the heck does this have to do with anything? I mean, it's more of the setup, I guess, for this next book that's coming out. But now we end up having aliens in spacesuits coming through this gate, and it's a full-out attack. You end up with all three of our heroes attacking, and now hordes and hordes of these aliens coming in that cleanse, dissect, learn. They're just saying that. Gene peeks in to see what the hell's going on. It's not good. And then Scott just goes ham on all of them, just destroying everything that comes through that gate. Well, they say, Cable, go back and get that sword out. Depower this thing. I mean, that's the only thing they can figure out is for him to go and depower it. He does go. He pulls the sword out. And then off to the circle in Krakoa where he, he just goes. They go through the gate. Here I am. And they go. And I'm like, what the heck? But with that, you end up having Scott and Gene come in this very end, this kind of a, also a wink-wink cheating type deal where Scott wants to be able to be in contact with them, magic, especially during this whole tournament where he can keep track and keep an eye on things, including his son. And everyone else And you even have Cable going He's like, whoa, Cypher What are you doing here? You, you're you're a warrior? And he's like, no Alright, alright So they're going to have to look And keep an eye on him as well But we end up with it Where we have now five people You know, five people there Again, I'll repeat them It's Magic, Cypher, Wolverine, Storm And now Cable They're all in their spots We need the next five We'll see how that goes 
But yeah, this it's it's an odd issue. It's it's a very odd issue in this Ten of Swords deal because it's dealing more with the Sword Space Station than anything to do with the contest. Though I think that everything will come together by the end, as the Beatles and then Aerosmith sang. So that is that. But overall, I like the art. Uh, I don't know. It does intrigue me to see what's going to come up with that. And I think that maybe something else is at play behind the scenes here as we go forward with what happened on that space station. But I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I'm going to be a positive 7. Not as good as Hellions or New Mutants this week, but still good enough. And we're going to go off. Next week, we end up having Excalibur and X-Men. And you have Excalibur 13 and X-Men 13. And if there's two books that should be the bigger books in this, it should be Excalibur and X-Men. X-Men being the flagship title. But Excalibur, dealing a lot with Otherworld up into this, should be the one that kind of you know leads the way as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Another thing that ended up coming out this week, that it's not something you really talk about on a podcast, but the Ten of Swords handbook came out. Actually pretty good, especially for someone like me to just go through, learn a little more about the characters and things like that while we go. And you get the stats, which I always like, you know, intelligence, strength, speed, durability, energy, all these things going on with that. And I think that this should have probably come out at the beginning, maybe even should have been a Dawn of X deal where we could have even got more of these each time to, like I said, this isn't for necessarily people who are big x-men fans and year-long you know i've been a fan for 20 years i've been a fan for 50 you know arguing that this might be more served for someone like me to learn more about the nuances and things of the characters the backgrounds the histories and things like that but it's pretty good uh and again i suggest it for everyone actually but more in particular people who are jumping on this stuff for the first time but that's it that's it and thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this pretty positive episode. And I, I hope that this is the start of every episode of every podcast I do being positive, including the stuff at DC, which I'm pretty down on right now. But over here at the Marvel, I'm enjoying some stuff. I'm enjoying, uh, you know, at least I have a handful of regular books that I do enjoy when they come out. Now I am getting fired up for the Ten of Swords finally. So thanks everyone. You can tell my voice is going. So I'm going to say goodbye, and I will talk to you this coming week with me and Brandon talking on Wednesday night with a pretty pretty big podcast coming up this week. There's a lot of cool books coming out. We have The Last Remains deal with Spider-Man. We have Daredevil. I got the Guardians of the Galaxy. I just, I'm trying to remember what is coming out. Also, Werewolf by Night, number one. So that'll be cool. We'll be talking about all that, and then I'll be back next week with the X-Men stuff, usually on a Sunday, but this week uh, Ruben was going to join me. I was going to say Brandon, but Ruben was going to join me, and unfortunately had to bail at the last second is why it's coming out on Monday. So if he's able to join me next week, it'll be on Monday. If not, it'll probably come out on Sunday. So Sunday or Monday, we'll deal with that. We'll figure out a full-out schedule. I I have problems with multiple podcasts keeping on schedule because I am a lazy and tired guy. But thanks, everybody, and I'll talk to you later.